Yes, welcome to the Breakdown Podcast, and I am joined by Neil Vanderplug of Avanti Arsoe Sports after their victorious weekend um, up in Inverell there. Um, I was about to say Grafton, but you didn't actually win in Grafton. You just start off in Grafton and then do the winning win once you get to Inverell. Um, Neil, uh, you and the team must feel pretty happy after that. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it couldn't really get much better, really. So, yeah, everyone was really happy. Yeah, so Pat Lane taking the win and uh, Pat Shaw in third. And then, uh, was it three or four others? Four others in the top 10 there. Um, You couldn't have a much higher strike rate um, from a race. No, not really. Um, yeah, we had we had the two Pats in the break who ended up getting first and third, so that was probably about as good as as good as you could hope for there. And then uh, from the main field, we had Coops and I who ended up sort of breaking away and um, yeah, coming in fifth and sixth. We sort of broke away at about the twenty three k to go mark, and then uh, we had no idea. But Sean Lake also sort of attacked the peloton as well, um, and ended up coming in eighth. So um, yeah, we seem to have it covered from either the, the peloton or the break. So, yeah, we're all pretty happy. I think most people on our team, well, everyone had a really good day. Everyone felt good. And, um, yeah, the team worked really well. So it was, yeah, everyone was uh, pretty happy with it. Oh, good. And we'll, we'll get into the nitty-gritty of the race now. So we'll take a break and be right back with it. Okay, and we are back discussing Grafton to Inverell, um, which took place on Saturday. Uh, I think most people uh, rock rock up there about on the Wednesday and Thursday and do the training, but I, I got there on the Friday, and of course, there's only one place to go when you're in Grafton. You go straight down to Toast Cafe, and you try and find some people to chat to from the local cycling community or maybe some old friends from the NRS. So, uh, that's where you go to get all the goss. Um, is that the hub of the cycling um, community in Grafton, Neil? Well, look, from what I could tell, that's certainly where we went um, in the in the sort of days leading up to it. I think the owner there, or there's some sort of affiliation with the cycling uh, cycling sort of community up there. So I think, yeah, from what I could tell, Toast was sort of uh, the hub of it all. Yeah, I will say that we're not um, paid to advertise Toast, so it's uh, entirely entirely of my own volition um giving them a plug so yeah but it's um it's that sort of laid-back community i like it up there it's um somewhere where you can really feel the vibe of the place and it's it's a good place to start the nrs season i think yeah you, you you roll along there catch up with some people you might might have seen in a while catch up on all, all the gossip and uh yeah i certainly got a, f- a few stories um that i'll be looking to over the next few weeks and hopefully get some reports on yeah, look, it's a bit different having it as the first event of the uh, season rather than the the final event. But yeah, I, I'd agree with you, uh, Jamie. I thought it was a, a great way to sort of kick off the season. And uh, yeah, I think actually a bit better than the final race because it's a fairly tough one to get to um, logistically. I think having it as the last race, some teams and by that point, their sort of budget may be already a little bit stretched and, you know, potentially a lot of the um, series sort of things are a little bit, well, they can be sort of decided. So I think a few teams in the past sort of decide not to go, but having it as the first race, I think is a wise idea for them because, yeah, like I was saying, the the budgets of the teams, they haven't been spent. Everyone's got the enthusiasm and the budget to get to it, which is which is fantastic because as a race, I reckon it's um, it's awesome. It's one of the, the best races 
of the whole year. So it's, I reckon it's a very good move putting it as the first race. Well, yeah, it wasn't supposed to be the first race, but with the NRS cancellations, um, there's been quite a few of them. And yeah, so with Battle on the Border... Well, it's, it's worked out well for them. Everyone was super keen to get up there. <laughs> yeah, and they... Someone's, someone's got to be a winner from all this uh, cancellation, Jamie, and I think uh, perhaps the Grafton was it. Yeah, well, they did uh, They did attract, attract a bigger field than last year, so I think the organisers were fairly happy with how things have gone, and uh, I think they'll probably stay with it if they can find some racing to to work around next season and hopefully we get Toowoomba back and uh, battle on the border next season. We'll get into the racing uh, now and it was, yeah, a long race. I'm not sure how you, how most teams went, were thinking about approaching it before the stage, but everyone seemed to be fairly content when that early breakaway went. I mean, there were a few um, earlier moves which um, got chased down and a bit of skirmishing which never amounted to anything. But then once the move went, despite you guys having two, two riders in it, Everyone seemed fairly content to um, let it go. And in fact, everyone pretty much immediately took a piss out once that, that 11-man move went up the road. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Then I think it was sort of, yeah, enough, enough sort of people in that move. So most teams had someone in it. Uh, and I guess a lot of the teams sort of thought, you know, we've got someone in it, that's, that's good enough for us. But the interesting thing was, like you say, immediately... and. People often sort of, you know, have a piso or something like that. But after that, people still didn't take up the chase. No one really stuck someone on the front and controlled the pace much at all. Entwist did a little bit. Um, and there are a couple of teams that did a very sort of, you know, really small sort of effort. Like it was hard to tell whether they wanted to sort of limit the breakaway's advantage before the climb or simply just you know, set a false tempo so it gets out further. But basically, they had 10 minutes at the bottom of the climb. So um, that that takes a fair bit to get back. Um, and yeah, never happened. There was a few teams who sort of tried to chase it back after that climb. But um, yeah, the break sort of had, um, yeah, it was just it was just let right go from the beginning. And uh, yeah, too far, really. So if, if you didn't have someone in there who you thought could get a good result... Um, yeah, probably should have chased a bit earlier. I think. Yeah, I think I think that that point of um, most teams having a rider in there is an important one because there were it was a very strong move. There were a lot of very good riders in there, and uh, State of Matter had like Mike Cumming, who won a stage of New Zealand Cycle Classic, and and uh, St George Merida. They had Brody Talbot in there and um, Jordan Davies. So there were there were plenty of teams of the stronger teams um, that had little incentive to chase because they felt that they had a strong rider in there who's a decent chance of taking a result. But I don't know, mate, I, th- I felt it was a bit passive, um, especially when um, you guys in Avanti had such a strong strong pair of riders up there who looked like they'd be able to control the race. Definitely. And I think um, that's, that's a sort of interesting point. I think that's something that you see in a lot of the NRS races. There's quite a few smaller teams who sort of, they kind of take the mentality of, okay, we've got someone up the road. We're happy with that. And then even some teams who don't have anyone, there's not a lot of teams who actually sort of take responsibility, which is, I think, something that um, something that they probably should sort of look to doing a little bit. I think um, one team that stood out to me was um, AMR Renault. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. AMR Renault. Yeah, because um, as we got to the end of the race, it was pretty clear that um, they had quite a few guys going very well. Um, 
those three of them in the peloton all looking pretty good. Uh, and you sort of wonder if t- teams like that who d- who missed the break, whether they had other riders who perhaps weren't going to get over the climb that they could have stuck on the front just to sort of, you know, keep those remaining riders in the race. Because, um, yeah, I think there were a lot of, lot of teams who sort of missed out by being a little bit too passive and just taking a bit too much of a back seat. I think it's worth mentioning here that there was uh, at least one rider who didn't take a back seat, and that was uh, Riley Field who went off the front of the peloton when I think it was about a three-minute gap to the breakaway. Uh, and he went, he went with a few other riders. And by the time they reached the bottom of the, of the um, main climb, Gibraltar, uh, he had about two minutes to make up. And then he just bridged across on the Gibraltar. It was a really impressive ride for him. And I remember looking back at one point and seeing a GPM rider, and I was like, oh, has he dropped off the front group? Because there was, there was a rider in uh, Sam Phipps, um, was the was there right up there? And uh, no, it was Riley Field coming across. So I was I was immensely surprised to see him go across because he's a big guy, Riley. I don't know if you've had much um, contact with him, Neil, but he's a he's a big chap. And um, yeah, he he just powered across on the climb. Unfortunately, he got dropped <laughs> later on because it was you know a pretty immense effort to get across. But full credit to him, he did a great ride. Yeah. I actually heard a little bit about uh, Riley Field throughout the stage from the uh, the two Pats in the break. They actually said um, he was looking really strong, and they actually early on they thought, "Geez, this guy is, uh, you know, he's he's going to be really uh, one to watch." Uh, but as it turned out, I think yeah, the the effort of getting there probably took its toll because they said all of a sudden he was just gone. Um, but they said it right up until then he was looking really really strong and and pulling a really good turn. So. That's a bit of an example how in road riding the uh, the result sheet doesn't really say it at all. He definitely had a really good ride. Yeah, and uh, it's worth mentioning that the break actually did a really good job of um, staying away as well. Um, I don't think I've ever seen such a coordinated break um, in cycling because there were 10 or tw- ten or 11 riders, and you think with that that there's going to be some passages there. Um, but no, they were, they were working pretty well together. Um, if anything, uh, your Vanti guys were skipping turns as much as anyone else, uh, probably trying to keep a bit in the tank for later, which is smart riding as much as anything. But it was, yeah, it was a very well-oiled machine. And that's probably part of the reason, at least, why the brake stayed away to the finish. Yeah, absolutely. I heard, um, obviously, wasn't in the brake. But look, from talking to the Pats, they said, look, yeah, everyone was pretty much, um, yeah, doing quite a uh, amount of work. No one was really sitting on and, well, I think people maybe were sitting on here and there, but no one for a long time. And I think generally when people were sitting on, it was, you know, often when they were sort of actually needing a bit of a break. So, yeah, it certainly wasn't just, uh, yeah, they didn't stay away through pure chance. They, they sounded like they worked very well together all day and just consistently. Yeah, I was lucky enough to be in the Kenyan Riders Down Under car for that one. So I was sitting behind the brake the entire stage with, um, as they had Nathan Elliott and... Nick Miller in the break there. So it was, it was important for them to be up. Okay. Over the top of the Gibraltar, it was, um, that's, that's when the attacks really started happening there. And, uh, riders slowly just kept on getting shelled, not so much, um, by an attack being successful, but, um, you know, one or two riders would go, everyone else would chase to get them back on and one rider would fall off the back or sometimes two. And, uh, of particular note was Brody Talbot, who was just constantly yo-yoing on and off the back. Um, just, just fighting to stay there, and he was—you could tell—he was in a world of pain. And it was quite entertaining to watch from the car, but I'm sure 
but poor old Brody, it's not so not so fun. No, sounds like a terrible day out. <laughs> yeah, and um, significantly, actually, Nick Miller um, of Kenyan Riders Down Under went went um, out of that break with a mechanical. Um, I think his uh, rear derailleur cable um, snapped or was frayed or something, and he couldn't he couldn't change up into the big big ring, so he was. He was in a bit of trouble, unfortunately, he's trying to stick with the, you know, like the 50k accelerations, that sort of pace. So he he dropped out, and that ended up being quite significant because if um, Kenyan riders had had another rider there at the end, um, could have could well have been quite a different story. Um, and I don't think Pat Lane would have quite got the sit on Nathan Elliott's wheel that he ended up getting. Yeah, I guess it's hard to say. Yeah, well, hypotheticals. That's that's the point. <laughs> yeah, I, I never, I never even, uh, I had no idea about that. So there you go. And what, uh, what, what point did that happen, Jamie? I think that was about seventy k's to go. It was still outside Gleninus, so it, yep. it was just, it was just about that point there. And um, yeah, and then once they rolled through Gleninus, I think it was about 35, 40 k's to go that um, the the decisive attack in the end was made with um, Nathan Elliott attacking and going off the front with Pat Lane. So, and those two, obviously great mates. You, you'd know that Neil trained together all the time and um, really good friends. And they worked well together initially building up about a minute, a minute's worth um, advantage. And then the call came through from Avanti's car, you know, um, sorry, Pat, you, you're not allowed to work with uh, Nathan anymore. And Pat Lane just sat on and, uh, Nathan came back to the car a few times um, saying, oh, what do I do? What do I do? Do I, do I just work? Do I attack? What do I do? And um, the directors, Gary Elliott of Kenyan Riders said, okay, just hit him once. If that doesn't work, um, just work with him um, as much as you can, but don't blow yourself. So I think, I think there was a bit of um, thinking of, you know, if, if this comes into the finish, you know, at least we get second sort of thing. So I don't know maybe maybe they could have put it, put it on the line a bit more to try and go for the win, but I don't know you've got to you've got to balance uh, you've got to balance your thinking in that process because if they'd set up maybe maybe Nathan comes fifth or sixth in the end. Yeah, that's right. It's a bit of a, a tough situation, as you say, when you've only got one rider and you're in that sort of two man break and you've got you know you're against. I think there was three back down the road and there was another Avanti rider there in Pat Shaw. So. Um, yeah, it's it's a bit of a, a bad situation to sort of have uh, someone just sitting on you uh, at that that point in the race, just saving their legs. But yeah, like you say, um, yeah, you get down to the sprint, and you just don't know really. It was certainly, um, yeah, I think Pat Lane tried to drop him on that final climb and was pretty surprised when uh, when Nath, you know, wasn't uh, wasn't able to be dropped there. So. Look, he uh, he certainly he rolled the dice a bit, um, and yeah, full credit to him. He he towed Pat for a very long time, and Pat still couldn't get rid of him, and he gave himself a very good chance of taking it out. But uh, yeah, Pat Lane, he, even though he's so small, he's he's very crafty, very crafty bike rider. So even even if he doesn't have just the raw power, his timing and things like that are just really good. So. And I think knowing each other, um, yeah, it was always going to be a bit of an interesting sprint. But, uh, yeah, full credit to Nathan Elliott. That was a, a fantastic ride. He's placed uh, third in the Grafton before, and he was saying afterwards it's his favourite race, and you can tell he's not lying. You see the look on his face, and he's he's excited. It's uh, Yeah, it's definitely where I think I've seen him 
do his best ride. So that was certainly probably the best ride I've ever seen Nathan Elliott do. Yeah, well, he's had a lot of bad luck this year. Nathan uh, had um, some mechanical issues in one of the races and uh, then in the Victorian Metropolitan Championships, he, he won the race until the commissaires took it off him. Um, and I think I think a lot of people still consider him the rightful winner of the race, but, you know, it's not what it says on the results sheet. Um, what else? Oh, yeah, Oceania's. He, he made that move with um, Sean Lake. He was, again, the instigator of the attack there, but... Um, didn't hasn't got the reward yet for his attacking riding. So it'd be good to see him get a result. Well, no, I mean, obviously second, great result, but um, he, I'm sure he'd want to be taking the win. And I did speak to him after the race and he, he's, you could see how disappointed he was he really wants that um, next step onto the top of the podium. Yeah. I suppose that's always the goal. Yeah. And we've actually got an interview um, with Nathan Elliott coming up. Um, I'll, I'll pop that in at, at some stage. Um, yeah, I mean, worth worth saying. Um, whilst whilst Pat Lane was sitting on was sitting on Nathan Elliott there, um, Pat Shaw was sitting on Aiden Tuvey at the same time. So Aiden Tuvey was just driving it by himself, and it was essentially Aiden Tuvey versus Nathan Elliott, Elliott there in the last twenty twenty five k's almost. Um, yep, with a couple of passengers. <laughs> yeah, I suppose the aftermath of the race. What what do you take out of the race? Um, obviously a really good result for you guys. And um, now the team will be heading overseas to do some Asian racing quite soon. Um, does this, does this um, performance give you guys a lot of confidence? Yeah, I think it, it gives the team a bit of a boost. I think um, there's obviously a lot more guys on the squad than, than we're in Grafton, but I think everyone sort of gets a bit of a lift for a, a result like that. As I was saying before, everyone sounded like everyone had a really good day. Um, the guys in the break, the guys in the peloton. And uh, what was really sort of pleasing is, I guess, um, yeah, just the teamwork, I suppose, out on the road. Everyone was sort of working really well in those situations, like the top of the Gibraltar, uh, when people start attacking. And the same thing happened in the peloton. Just everyone really started to sort of try and force moves at the top of the Gibraltar. And definitely back in the main field, we were just working really well as a team. And, uh, yeah, things were just just working nicely. So yeah, I think the team's got a real, yeah, real boost from it. And uh, yeah, heading into tour of Japan and tour of Korea next. Um, yeah. We'll be hoping we can sort of make that step up and, and get a few results at that um, UCI 2.1 level before heading to Europe. Yeah. Well, good luck for you guys there. Um, were, were there any other riders from other teams who caught your eye there? Um, there were quite a few moves off the front of the peloton. Was there, was anyone that, um, that had you thinking, wow, this guy's um, doing really well. He's looking strong. Yeah, there are a few guys who are definitely looking pretty good um, from the from the main field. Uh, Dylan Sunderland looked he looked really strong. He was um, the state of matter map rider who they seem to be working for. They at one point all got on the front and tried to um, reel that breakaway in um, when coming wasn't feeling so good. Um, and that you could tell they were, they were protecting Ryan Kavanagh and Dylan Sunderland. Sunderland looked to be the, the stronger of the two, but both were going quite good. Jason Christie from Kenyan Riders down under was looking pretty strong, as was um, uh, AMR Renault. There was Timothy Cameron and Josh Eldridge. Uh, I think you, uh, you tipped those as being potentially a bit of a... Uh, you know, a bit of a dark horse. And I think that was 
pretty good call. They, uh, yeah, they were looking really good. They had three riders in there, and they were all doing quite well as well. Also, Reese Gillett, he was climbing well, but seemed to run out of gas a bit at the end. Um, and Mitch Mulhern. Mitch Mulhern was also looking really strong, um, but just a little bit isolated there with a, a lack of teammates. And I, guess, so I've, I know I've mentioned just like a hell of a lot of names there, but I think Jacob Kaufman probably deserves one too. He was actually off the back on the climb and uh, just kept on working. And man, that guy, he can just keep going all day. He was, he was off in groups behind, caught the group that I was in, which was behind sort of another group of 12. And he just rode basically straight through and he was struggling to get many turns off any other teams. And he, he did, I'd say, about 80% of the work and closed the, the gap to the next group. And then he was still going well at the end. Like he obviously missed the, the final moves that we were sort of in, but we had the luxury of sort of having those two guys up the road. So to be fair, we weren't doing absolutely anything in the main field other than just covering moves and, and sitting on. So, yeah, um, Jacob Kaufman, um, really, really good ride as well. Yeah, I was speaking to Mitch afterwards because um, Saddleless Verve was uh, nice enough to give me a lift back to um, Grafton. And uh, yep, I was speaking to Mitch, and he was he was in one of those moves off the top of uh, over the top of um, the Gibraltar there, and he had Robbie Hucker marking him. And um, I said, "Oh, is that the one you you were in that move with Robbie Hucker, weren't you?" He's like, "Who's Robbie Hucker?" I was like, "Come on, mate, you gotta you gotta know the two of Taiwan winners." is in racing in great form, but yeah, you know, apparently not everyone, not everyone listens to the podcast now. Yeah. Well, look, that could have been the difference. Could have been the difference, Jamie. You would have known very dangerous rider on your wheel, Robbie Hucker. <laughs> well, we can say, um, we can say that you took some pretty good form into Grafton. So um, yeah, we'll claim, we'll claim that the podcast helps improve form as well. Yeah. When well, Kate Perry's yep. been doing great. Proven. Well, hasn't she? So yeah, I'm just taking credit for everyone here. No, it's a golden podcast. There's no doubt about it, Jamie. <laughs> oh, well. Um, okay, well, we'll um, listen to the top four play skaters now um, from Pat Lane all the way down to Aiden Tuvey. Yeah, so have a listen to that and hear what they had to say after the race. Okay, here with Pat Lane at the finish. Winner of Grafton Dream Rail. How's that sound? Yeah, pretty awesome. Come here with this team. It was a fair. We put a bit of pressure on ourselves because we knew we had such a good group here, and to finish it off is always good. And then to, and to go, go up against your training buddy Nathan Elliott in the finish there. I mean, must must be mixed emotions. Yeah, it's funny. It's not. Oh, I'm a bit disappointed. Nathan, we couldn't both win to be honest, because he really deserved it. But coming here with such a strong team, like it was really on us our race to lose and yeah so it's good i came around with it and i'm stoked to stand on the podium with nath he really deserves it okay take you back to the start of the race um that move that went away in the well, maybe 20 k's from the start um did you realize that was going to be the winning move at that stage or were you just trying to cover all the moves um it wasn't actually my job to be in the move so i was doing a bit more work than i should have early um and then i got a free ride across on some guys because we had shory there and then i knew if we would have a lot of these guys sitting on behind which would really put the chase off and help set us up well and then that's what happened coming into the finish as well is you and Nathan and uh, you had um, you had Shory behind and he's good in the sprint so you knew you could sit on a bit yeah I knew I had to win because with Shory behind 
he's probably retiring this year and I couldn't sit out there and come second when I knew he'd pick up the sprint. And having someone sit on behind really takes their emphasis out of the chase because they know even if they bring it back, then they got to try and work it out against Pat. Yeah, you hit it pretty hard up that final climb there, but um, Nathan managed to hang on. I mean, were you expecting to drop him there? Uh, I thought I'd give it a go, and yeah, it was super, super strong. So, nah, to come into the finish with him was really nice. And that final sprint, I mean, just got to dig deep at the end of a race like this? Yeah, definitely. It's very different to a normal sprint, especially two up after six hours or something. Um, so, yeah, that hurt, it, but nah, to come away with it's awesome. Cheers. Cheers. Okay, here Pat Shaw of anti Way Sports. Um, Pat, you made the early move. Um, was that always the plan, going to the race? Yeah, it was the plan for myself, but not for Pat Lane. But early you could just see that he was motivated all day and had fantastic legs. I told him at the start just to pull his head in a bit and just calm down because I know how fantastic an athlete he is and he's really found that level again. I didn't want him to spoil it and I'm really glad that I sort of took the hard tone with him because in the end probably him saving his legs in that earlier period uh, really come to fruition. Um, we knew once we went up the climb that we were both the strongest in the group by a long way and that's no disrespect to the other riders because to be honest probably 90% of that breakaway was just really impressive. There's a lot of really impressive young guys in there. The guy from Mobius, I don't know his name, but a top ride. And, and Aiden Toovey, chapeau to him, like, fantastic. I felt bad for rolling him at the end because I hope he takes a lot away from this. Um, and also the young Bendigo rider that was there from Focus, he, he was also very good. But um, our plan was to stay on the front foot all day. We did that. And then all of a sudden, about 35, 40k to go, we just couldn't get rid of the last guys. And I said to Pat, we have to change our plan a bit. So I went back, had a chat to Andrew Christie Johnson, and we came up with a few things, and obviously it worked very well. Yeah, playing the numbers in the finale there, you, met, you both managed to sit on at times and save your legs. Was that, well, I mean, obviously that's the um, plan, on the, plan on the fly. No, oh, I think it's the way you execute a plan well. If you're good bike riders, you, you, when you are hurting yourself, you want to get reward for that, and if that's not reward for hurting others, it's at least giving your rider a rest. And in a long race like this, five, two, two or five minutes of sitting on the wheel can turn your race around. And we saw that several times. I think 80 k's in, I said to the team car, I can't do this today, I've got nothing. Um, but you get motivated towards the end, you get that goosebumps. This is Australia's hardest one-day race, always has been. And nine years ago, I ran third in a very different circumstances, but it's nice to finish on a high. And uh, first NRS race of the season, um, big season ahead for you. I mean, are you going overseas as well? I think it's important to keep in, uh, in mind that we've prepared for international racing coming up, and so we really wanted to put these results on the board to show that we're at the right point at the moment for these races coming up because we're going to have to be even better than that when we go to Korea and, and Japan because they're very high-caliber Asian races. So we're happy with how we've gone. Um, and obviously, even though we've trained all the way into this, the uh, preparation's going well. Cheers, mate. Uh, here with Nathan Elliott. Second on the day, but um, you rode really well out there. What, what are your thoughts immediately after the finish? Uh, yeah, I definitely really wanted to win, but... Um, yeah, I'm pretty disappointed. I like, ended up getting away with Paddy, and it was pretty good because we're best mates. So, but um, yeah, he basically got told to sit on, 
So, yeah, I was kind of in two minds what to do. And I definitely, yeah, I tried to ride a bit conservatively on the, on the front just in case those other guys got back to us that I'd still have some left. And, um, yeah, he whacked me on that berg at the end there, but I managed to ride him back. And I was actually, after that, I was pretty confident I'd be able to get him in the sprint even though he'd been sitting on for 20k, but yeah, I just went to step out and had nothing, so. You had a little go on that last climb as well, trying to get to the front and maybe shake him a bit. Um, yeah. Had, had, <laughs> must have been feeling good in the legs. Uh, yeah, I was yeah, I was pretty uh, angry after, yeah, he wasn't able to pull a turn, so yeah, I pulled him back on the climb and thought I'd hit him, but yeah, it didn't get too far. Yeah, unlucky with Nick Miller as well, dropping out of the break there with mechanical problems. Yeah. Like, Otherwise, you'd have been able to play the numbers as well. Yeah, like we had a really good race as a team. Two guys in the break, which was awesome. And yeah, unfortunately, Nick, I think, snapped his rear derailleur cable, which was, yeah, would have been definitely good to have him there. Yeah, you've had a lot of bad luck this season as well. I mean... Uh, yeah, well, um, <laughs> actually, <laughs> I broke my derailleur today <laughs> as well and had to swap bikes. And yeah, it was like I thought I was gone. Um, yeah, it took a while to get back on, but yeah. <laughs> and is it hard? I mean, you and uh, Pat are obviously pretty good friends. I understand you're yeah. together. And then, you know, you're on that final hill battling it out. Yeah. Uh, you know, I guess the friendship goes out the window for a few minutes. Oh, yeah. We race each other in training stuff, so there's no no hard feelings or whatever. Like, we just both do what our directors tell us in the end, so yeah, it's all good. But, I mean, disappointing not to say the win, but you still must be pretty stoked getting second. Um, possibly in, in a record time, the two of you came across the line oh, in really? such a prestigious race. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm like really disappointed right now, but I'm sure like later on in second I'll feel better. I finished third as well here, so yeah, I really wanted wanted to win. Oh, well, third and second, maybe <laughs> yeah. next year at first. Yeah, hopefully. Not so much. Cheers. 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 So, and Toby, um, did a good run up today um, for you. For youngsters yourself, I mean, how does it, it feel being up there with some of the best in the peloton? Yeah, yeah, it feels awesome, really. Like, sort of had a bit of a uh, from under 19 to junior worlds, and then the next two years are a bit, uh, a bit mellow, I'd say. But yeah, sort of this year starting to ramp it up again, back to where I want to be, and uh, yeah, it feels good to be back there in the mix of it in the finale. Was it always the plan to go in that early move, or? No, it wasn't actually. It was actually to sit in and try and go with them up the climb. But when I saw the two of any riders, both Pat Shaw and Pat Lane, in the in the break, I thought you can't really let that get away. So I bridged across over one of the early climbs, and that was it. And how were the legs feeling throughout the day? Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. Like with such a long race, you go through really shit patches. So um, yeah, I went through a few of them, but then um, yeah, came good in the finale. Yeah, well, and as in that finale, you saw. Um Pat Lane and uh, Nathan Elliott go up the road. Um, what, what was the thought process at that time? Do you just have to ride on the front and try and bring them back? Yeah, pretty much. Like, I was sort of playing the game a bit because I thought there was still four of us. Uh, it was five and uh, Pat Shaw was just sitting on, just fair enough, his teammates up the road. So I thought we might better bring him back. But turned out all the other guys were pretty stuffed. So it ended up just being me on the front for the last 30k. Uh, just sort of trying to bring both the breakaways back. But... Just didn't quite get it there in the end. And in the end, you're happy with your performance, though? Yeah, definitely. Like, I felt pretty good all day, and like especially for a longer race, like 2.30k, it's like you don't, you don't really do this in the Warnie, which is that distance, but yeah, felt really good and happy with my performance. And for the, for the, for the future, what are you having to do? Um, yeah, sort of just like, I think the team's going to America in June, July, so do a bit of a stint over there, then come back and finish off the NRS season, hopefully go well in the NRS races and then target nationals next year. 
Okay, and we are back. Um, we thought we'd wrap up some overseas results uh, that have been coming in from, you know, Australians racing overseas. And, yeah, are there any particular ones that you'd like to raise, Neil? Or should I just go through the, through the list and see what, and you can add where you see appropriate? Yeah, look, I haven't, uh, I haven't been paying too much attention, I've got to be honest, Jamie. I saw Chloe Hosking uh, took out a few, uh, or at least one sprint over in... Uh, the UCI race in China. We actually, um, we were watching, uh, we went to look at the Giro and the Giro rest day was on and we actually had a look at that footage. So yeah, she certainly is looking pretty good sprint form there. Sprinted from a very long way out and held on to it. But apart from that. Yeah, well, thanks for that because Chloe Hosking was top of the list there. Um, she won uh, the overall there at Chongming Island. Um, won one stage, the second stage, and then uh, on the third stage, she took some intermediate sprint uh, bonus seconds, and that was enough to see her take the win there. So chapeau to her. She she won the first stage race of the World Tour season. So great great result for Chloe there. Um, yeah. And yeah, and then the women, there's yeah plenty more Australians taking good places as well. Lauren Kitchen picked up a pair of second places whilst um, being seconded to the Australian development team there, the GoX Pro high five Australian national team, I believe it's called. Um, I think that's all the sponsors. Oh, yeah. And yeah, and Kat, Kat Garford as well, took second overall in LC Jacobs. So yeah, a lot of very good results there and uh, they should be proud of them. Um, yeah, definitely a lot of uh, strong results on the uh, the women's side there. Yeah, on the on the men, um, yeah, there's plenty, plenty of interest as well there. I'm, I suppose I'm thinking the younger men because I'm, I'm going to assume that you know when a, a bigger Australian rider wins overseas in like the Giro or something. But yeah, we'll we'll bring up uh, Nick Schultz, who uh, took out a win for SEG Racing in the last stage of the Tour of Breton um, up there in northwestern France in Brittany. And yeah, he won he won that race and ahead of ahead of a lot of you know top top level under 23s there. So congratulations to Nick. He's gone overseas and he looks like he's making the most of his opportunities there. Good have job, Schultzy. Have you had much to do with Nick in the past, Neil? Uh, no, not really. I think I've raced him a few times here in the NRS, but uh, yeah, not a hell of a lot. I think he's been doing more sort of, yeah, overseas racing and racing in that under 23 age group. So um, yeah, haven't, haven't seen a hell of a lot, but he's obviously uh, got a fair bit of potential there. Yeah, and speaking of potential, I think um, I saw Lucas Hamilton take a fifth the other day in one of the hillier races um, around Europe, which is more to his style. They've been racing a lot in in the classic style races, um, and you know if you know Lucas, he's a he's as thin as a beanpole. So I'm not sure that that style of racing suits him so well. But um, yeah, yeah, so- it sounded like the the World Tour Academy guys had that block. Um, yeah, based in Belgium, heap of flat land sort of you know, just really tough sort of races. And, uh, yeah, a lot of the climbers, I think, just had to uh, had to go. I think it was sort of part of the deal. Like, you got to sort of get through this first thing just to sort of see if you can stick it out and uh, get through it, prove a few skills and that sort of thing, and then rewarded with a few climbing races later on. So Lucas is obviously, yeah, he's almost weathered the storm. Yeah, what do you think of that? Because in the end, it was... 
probably the difference between Chris Hamilton going to the World Tour Academy and not, because he just wanted to do the second part of the season there, um, where there are the more climbing races, um, because he felt that you know it didn't the first half of the season didn't really offer much to him, particularly as, he, as a younger rider trying to develop. Um, do you think it's you know important to have that more well-rounded focus on the season, or is it um, better to concentrate on your strengths at this stage? Oh, look, Jamie, I, uh, look, I'm probably not, uh, the most qualified to answer, but I guess, yeah, there's, uh, yeah, you can look at it from both angles, I suppose. Those climbers who are in there racing those Belgium sort of classic style races where they're fully out of their comfort zone. Uh, Ben O'Connor from our team, he's definitely, uh, in that sort of, uh, mix climbers just, you know, getting thrown in the deep end a little bit, so to speak. And, uh, yeah, I guess, um, it's not at all like they're, they're unlikely to get results in those sort of races, but it's certainly going to teach them something you'd think. So, um, yeah, it, it could be good. I suppose I'll have to uh, talk to some of these young guys and, uh, and uh, follow how they go. But, uh, yeah, I guess you can look at it from both ways. I can sort of see, see both sides of the argument. Um, I can understand Chris Hamilton sort of with uh, the European sort of block that, um, or the opportunity of racing with Avanti, I can understand why he sort of um, chose to uh, follow that pathway. But at the same time, yeah, I would have understood if he also wanted to go and, and uh, yeah, get the full experience over there with the World Tour Academy. So, yeah, I guess um, guys like Hamo are probably in a bit of a, a position that maybe some of the other riders aren't in. But, look, it's, um, yeah, I reckon they've all probably learnt a lot. It's just... Yeah, I, I guess the only danger is if you sort of crash and get injured because they are sort of a bit, um, you know, different style of races. But look, I haven't heard anything, um, yeah, you know, I haven't heard anyone sort of crashed out, you know, terribly and has come home. So, yeah, I reckon it was probably, uh, yeah, good thing. Bit of an adventure. Well, yeah, I mean, arguably more dangerous staying in Australia because Chris Hamilton was in a nasty collision with a car. Is he... Is, I haven't heard um, an update on his situation. How's he doing? Yeah, I think uh, I haven't actually spoken to him personally, but I've heard a few things just through the team and, uh, you know, got a few sort of WhatsApp messages. Everything sounds pretty positive. He's definitely very motivated. He's he's on the ergo. He's um, I don't think he's on the road yet, uh, but he's definitely been on the ergo for some time and apparently he's still traveling quite well and he's just waiting for, I think, a small bone in his hand um, to heal up before he gets on. So I think he's, I think he's more or less about to jump back on the bike, um, on the road. So I think he's, I think he's going to recover, uh, pretty well, I'd imagine from all accounts. So yeah, I think he'll be back in action in this next, uh, block in Japan or Korea. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that, but, uh, yeah, he may be back in action. If he's not, he will be soon. Okay, well, I think that should just about wrap it up for uh, this week. Uh, thanks for thanks for joining me, Neil. Yeah, hopefully we'll catch up with you um, when you start when you start heading overseas. Yep, no worries. Look forward to it, Jamie. Oh, and we'll give you a quick plug in as well. Um, yeah, subscribe to Neil and Tim's um, YouTube channel. What's on in the peloton? Uh, he just put up a a it was like a movie um, of what happened in Grafton. <laughs> It was, yeah, high production values, editing, music. I mean, it had a lot. Yeah, I, I'm glad you liked it, Jamie. I actually played that music myself. So, 
glad the other music got to mention. Uh, yeah, but uh, look, don't expect anything too polished. I think Jamie's probably giving you a bit of a false impression. It's just a bit of a home job, but hopefully it gets the, uh, yeah, it gets the, uh, the racing across and, uh, yeah, provides a bit of entertainment. Okay, well, that should about wrap it up for this week. And, yeah, we'll hopefully uh, talk to you soon. Okay, bye. See you later.